0: Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles, California. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Each week we bring you a program about personal and spiritual development. The first 20 minutes or so is podcast free through the iTunes store and other podcast directories. It's also available at Stitcher On Demand Radio for your mobile devices tablets and smartphones and such. And then we continue and do a longer complete segment, usually runs about 90 minutes in totality for our premium subscribers, a tuition-based program. So the first 20 minutes of that is podcast, and the full program is available for those who enroll at our primary website theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Just click on premium training, webinars, podcasts. You get to premium training, and then with your ATM card, your credit or debit card, you can enroll in a matter of seconds. And shortly thereafter, you'll get a email with the special URL that takes you to the cloud where the full program is posted. So, whether you're here for the premium training or the free podcast, which we call the Free Forum, welcome to the Mystery School. We have a huge topic this week. I'm not sure that we're going to really settle any arguments here or arrive at any conclusions, but I think we'll all benefit from a discussion of three things, really. What is often described as God's will, free will, and nature's way. The word determinism comes into play when we talk about free will. And often you'll have debates in college or even high school or adults who are particularly well-educated and interested in philosophy may also sit around and talk about determinism versus Free will, we're going to take a slightly different look at that debate as we talk first about God's will. And what is God's will? What is meant by that? I mean, even that term alone can mean different things to different people. I'm frankly quite surprised at the number of reasonable and intelligent people that see divinity, the creative, divine source of all things as a micromanager, failing to recognize that part of God's will is granting each living thing its own particular level of free will, which seems to me just to be part of the nature of consciousness. But many people, some religious Some non-religious and simply philosophical will argue in favor of so-called determinism, that you only believe that you're choosing the red one over the green one. In fact, the decision that you're going to choose the red one or the green one, that you're going to turn left instead of right, that you're going to stay in bed today or go to work and on the way to work get in a serious traffic accident, which could have been avoided if you'd trusted your intuition and stayed in bed. Part of this larger debate about determinism, God's will, as I mentioned a minute ago, is God as micromanager. I find this particularly interesting that anybody would really believe that there would be a creator who creates a creation, the universe, populates it with creatures, particularly a race of human beings made in its own image, and then trick them into believing that they can make decisions on their own when, in fact, God is managing everything and deciding for you what you think, what you're going to do, making those decisions, even those events and circumstances that you apparently have no control over can be written off to God's will. For example, and this is pretty common that you'll hear a particularly religious person say, well, it was God's will that my friend wasn't more seriously injured in the accident. And thank God for the fact that he or his angels protected my friend in this accident from greater injury. And we have God to thank for having... Well, wait a minute. If everything is... A divine intervention, if God is a micromanager, if God can step into an automobile accident and through some sort of intervention protect some people from being injured, why allow the accident in the first place? Why wouldn't God just prevent all accidents or prevent no accident, in which case even if you have, and this is the deist point of view, many of the founding fathers of the United States were so called deists, and they believed in a God, in a supreme being, but their sense of things was that once life was created and the planet was populated with human beings, that the creator, God, would sort of step back and take himself out of the equation. So, between God being a micromanager and God standing back and not intervening at all, you have all manner of permutation. Again, we can see people praying on Friday afternoon for their child in high school to win the football game that night. And asking God to intervene in the outcome of the high school football game, as if God is going to choose sides in every high school football game all across the nation. And again, it's it's hard for me to get my head around this idea of a divine intervention or a supreme being being responsible for determinism. It's just my belief system. I do believe that we live in an ordered and structured universe, but there are many alternatives to the idea of God as a being who has a kind of a interest in being a micromanager. The eastern philosophies of Buddhism and Taoism of Hinduism and Vedantism and uh, Confucianism and most Eastern philosophies, frankly, think of divinity of God, not so much as a being with a form or a shape looking like a man that would be creating the creator in our image, sort of turning the the Bible on its head. Instead of us being in the image of God, we create God in our image. But Eastern philosophy sees it a little differently, maybe better said very much differently, thinking of divinity as awareness or as consciousness, as a totality of the awareness that each of us shares, In other words, you have a little piece of awareness and I have a little piece of awareness and because mine is different than yours, it's like each of us are different brain cells in the brain of the one that is divine, except in a non-material way. Think of it not so much as individual brain cells in the one brain of God, but individual slivers or fragments of consciousness in the totality that is the awareness of all things. Now, that can be understood, and and the implications of that, of course, can be understood and applied in a variety of ways. There's many variations and combinations. But I bring it up because it gives us an opportunity to consider our own individual free will as a gift or a subset of divine will. Not as opposites, not as contradictory belief systems, but both things being true, that there is divine will or God's will, And it's God's will that each of us have access to a bit of its ability to think for itself. In other words, your little fragment or sliver, your slice, your serving of free will is a subset or a piece of the divine will. It's God's will that you have free will. Now, How this settles with you, again, is totally up to you and I respect. There's just so many, as I say, variations and permutations and combinations of the concept that, you know, you have to respect each individual's perception of how that works out in reality. But there's a third element I want to touch on while we're still doing the initial free forum here that's podcast, and that's what is sometimes called nature's way. So what is nature's way, and how does it contrast with the debate over determinism or God's will and my argument here about free will being a subset of God's will, or the more how shall I say, orthodox or traditional view of God's will in terms of divine intervention and a kind of a spiritual determinism where your sense of thinking for yourself is merely an illusion. God determines everything and decides everything. I'm not sure what the point would be if that's the case, but there are many hundreds of millions of people that believe every event, every circumstance, every opportunity, every outcome, every relationship, every thought that comes into your head, every word that comes out of your mouth is predetermined. And yet, we're often called upon to be good, as opposed to behaving in a bad way. So, a lot of it, I think, is contradictory and has to be sorted out by the individual. And yet, to go to this third concept, nature's way, I think, is to recognize that many individuals are interested in Behaving in accord with nature uh, Walking softly upon the earth So as to minimize our impact To learn the lessons that nature has learned Through a kind of a trial and error process That Darwin called natural selection And so This is not necessarily a atheist's or agnostic's version of nature's way. Again, you could have the neo-deist position that God creates this universe, whether a supreme being or the sum total of all consciousness, and then sort of stands back and allows it to work itself out. And in this way, plants and Animals evolve through trial and error, through natural selection. Plants figure out, if you will, that if they're in a colder climate, they want the surface of their leaves to be smaller and smaller till, if the climate is cold enough, they end up looking like needles, like a pine tree. While if the environment is warmer, indeed, Tropical, the leaves of the plant need to dissipate that additional heat, and so they get broader and broader until we see tropical plants that are quite extreme in the broadness of the leaf. When we were living in Hawaii, I saw plants that had leaves that were three or four feet across. Quite amazing. And then... Depending on the climate or the environment, as it gets cold at night, some trees and some flowers will close up to protect that heat, to maintain that warmth, opening and actually moving and dilating as the sun comes up in the morning. And they can drink in that sunlight for the process that sustains life. In plants. In the same way, the giraffe's neck or the leopard's spots or the ability of the chameleon to change color, what we've learned from natural selection, though there's still a handful of people that ignore it and deny it, it's clearly accepted science the fact you got to get a different flu shot every year because the flu bug is evolving <laughs> it's it's mutating it's it's pretty clear that evolution is in place so to learn from nature is to watch how nature learns through a trial and error process and to walk that soft path so to speak to behave in accord with nature, to learn not only from the mineral kingdom and the plant kingdom, but in particular from the animal kingdom. And part of nature's way actually is attributing certain qualities of divinity to each of the different animals. Native Americans in the United States For example, believe that the eagle represents God's vision. And when they see an eagle flying high above them, they think that these are the eyes, metaphorically, not literally, but figuratively, the eyes of divinity that see all things and have great vision. The buffalo or the bear might represent strength particularly the tendency of a bear to pick and choose certain herbs or plants to eat for its own benefit, as if it's learned. A bear will eat about anything, but (laughs) people who live close to the earth and who've observed the behavior of what bears are eating tell us that they seem pretty savvy and pretty wise about what they're choosing to eat at what times almost as if they have a an awareness of herbs and and berries and fruits and nuts and and how to use them for nutrition for even medicine many Europeans find it hard to believe that an animal could be that smart but we're beginning to learn just how incredibly adaptive and and wise animals really are. So, this would be another aspect of this idea of nature's way, of learning from nature, including the struggles of survival. There's that great story that you often hear repeated about the need of the butterfly or the moth to struggle out of the cocoon. And if halfway through the process you try to help out by cutting the butterfly out of the cocoon very carefully, the butterfly will not have the strength to survive very long and may not be able to fly and and live out its destiny as a butterfly, pollinating plants and and such, because it needed the struggle of fighting its way out of that cocoon to develop the strength to survive. And so we can even see, by following nature's way, the way in which adversity strengthens us and makes us stronger. And There are countless lessons to be learned about life and how best to live life if we follow nature's way. Well, that's about it for the podcast. Now, I'm going to develop each of these ideas, God's will, free will, against the backdrop of determinism, and nature's way. Also, we're going to do a meditation exercise, a visualization exercise for the premium training, the expanded tuition-based program. So, stay with us for that if you've enrolled. And to the rest of you, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We do this once a week. Subscribe through the iTunes store or use Stitcher to stream these podcasts to your mobile devices, smartphones, tablets, as well as your computer. You can pick it up at stitcher.com, just like it sounds, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R, stitcher.com. Talk to you next week. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner.